We now begin a whole new Masechta, Maseches Yoma, and I'm choosing not to do an introduction to this Masechta because I think the basic topics are rather familiar. Um, just just a moment of introduction. The word Yoma, or probably more correctly pronounced Yuma, refers to the day, as in the big day of Yom Kippur, which is so central to Jewish life. In the time in the base of Mikdash, certainly, especially so, but to affect Kapara and the specialness of the day, what's happening over there, and the uniqueness of the day, what the Kohen Gadol did, those are referenced in the day Yuma, the big day. The structure of the Masechta is eight prakim. The first seven prakim talk about the avoda that's done in the base of Mikdash, focused mostly on what's going on unique to the day of, of Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur, and we have the special incense offering brought inside of the Kaddish Kadashim. We have the special karbonos that are to atone for the Jewish people, for the Kohen and for his family, as well as for the Kohanim. We have the Sirla Azazel. So those unique karbonos are explored in the Masechta, but the Masechta is quite expansive and goes um, off topic a number of times to talk about other similar issues around the functioning of the Beis Mikdash and how the different karbonos worked. The eighth and final chapter is the chapter which deals with the topics of Yom Kippur which are more familiar to us nowadays. That is to say, we talk about the Chamesh Nuyim, the five afflictions, or ways in which one impoverish, impoverishes his physical self, his, his body, um, to allow his soul to shine through on the big day, um, as well as the topics of Tshuva and Kapara. Okay, so now we begin. Perak Aleph, Mishnah Aleph, Meseches Yoma. The Mishnah starts out by saying, Shivas Yamim Kodam Yom Kippurim. Seven days before the beginning of Yom Kippur, Mafrishin Kohen Gadol Mebeso Lelishkas Palhedrin. We separate the Kohen Gadol, removing him from his house, and we put him into a place in the base of Mikdash, which is called Lishkas Palhedrin, the king's appointee's chamber. Now, what's happening here is really two separate things. One thing is that there's a requirement to remove the Kohen Gadol from his home and have him live inside the base of Mikdash for these seven days. This is a mitzvah all to itself. It's based on the psukim that's learned out around Arna Kohen and his being separated and leaving his home during the Yemei Maluim, these seven days, the inaugural days of the Mishkan. And it's learned out from there that the same way Aaron moves out of his home in the time of the Mishkan, originally when it's being set up in the desert, the Midbar, so too the Kohen Gadol should come out of his home his physical home, and move into the base of Middash for seven days leading up to Yom Kippur. That's a requirement, but it's not a ma'akeh, meaning if the Kohen Gadol didn't do it for whatever reason, that alone would not make him invalid to do the service on Yom Kippur. The second reason why we're separating the Kohen Gadol from Beso is because Beso is actually a double entendre, and refers to both his physical home, his house, bias, as well as his wife. It was also referred to as bias, as the mission itself We'll say explicitly in a few moments. And here we're saying that he separates from his wife for those seven days, which means when the Kohen Gadol moves into the base of Mikdash, his wife certainly is not moving with him. His wife's staying back home in his physical home. And the reason for that is because we're concerned that the Kohen Gadol could end up becoming Tame from exposure to his wife. The main concern is that the wife could end up becoming a Nida when he doesn't know it. And then he could have the status of being a Boal Nida and then he'd be, become Tame for seven days. There's no way to become Tame in less than seven days for a Boal Nida. And that being the case, we separate him seven days ahead of time to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, we say he goes to Lishkas Palhedrin. So originally this chamber was called the Lishkas Balvate, which means the chamber for, you know, the very Saram Nechbadim, the, like the royal ministers, the hush of important people. But during the Second Temple period, 
it became the practice that people who wanted to become the Kohen Gadol could buy their way in by paying the local authorities for the right to be the Kohen Gadol. And therefore, the rabbis changed the name from Lishkas Balvati, the chamber for the you know honorable servants, to being Lishkas Palhedron, which means something like the chamber for the appointee of the king. So, fine. That's Lishkas Palhedron. Umesaknin lo Kohen Acher Tachtav. They established for him another Kohen beneath him. This is an understudy, if you will. That is to say, we have the person who's known as the Sagan Kohen Gadol, the deputy Kohen Gadol, the number two Kohen in the base of Mikdash, in the hierarchy. So this person is set as, so to speak, an understudy. The same way you have, like in the theater, you have the lead um, actor, and then you have his understudy. So, so there's an understudy, if you will, for the Kohen Gadol. Um, Shemi Erebopsul, lest the Kohen Gadol himself, for some reason, becomes invalid and can't do the Avoda at the last minute. We have someone standing and they're ready to do it. So what does that mean? That means since he is is Tachtav, he's in his place as like the understudy, let's say for example, if there are different, we'll have a separate set of gold investments, clothing that is special for the Kohen Gadol to work in on Yom Kippur. We'll have a separate one set for him and made to his size just in case we need him for Yom Kippur. Similarly, we'll train him in the, I'll call it the choreography of the day, all the different activities and how to perform the different rites um, on Yom Kippur. So he's ready to go. And the fact that it says Mesaknin Lo as opposed to Mafrishin Lo tells us that we're not actually um, the understudy, the, the Sagan, the stand-in, doesn't have to leave home. He can stay at home. He's just at the ready in case we need him. And therefore, um, although he wouldn't have separated from his home the seven days prior to the Avoda, I said before, that's really not a Ma'akev, it's not an Isser. After the fact, it's not going to make it so we can't do the Avoda. So he'll be our backup if we need a backup plan. Now, Rabbi Yudomer, Af Isha Acheres Mesaknin Lo, Rebuda says not only do we get a understudy from the Sagan Kohan, so from the deputy Kohen, we also get a second wife for our Kohen Gadol. That is to say that the Kohen Gadol is going to marry a second woman, just in case. Why is that necessary? Because Shema Tamus Ishto, maybe his first wife, meaning his primary, his wife, will die. And we need her because Shanamar the Pasuk says when referring to the Kohen Gadol doing his his uh, vidui, his his uh, confession, and getting atonement for himself. So he says that he. It says the pasuk says v'chiper ba'ado uva'ad beso. He gets atonement for him and his household. And beso zu ishto. When it says beso, it means his wife, which means he needs to have a wife according to the pasuk to also get atonement for besides for him. So therefore, we need to have the kohen gadol having a wife. And therefore, Rebuta says it could happen that our man, the kohen gadol, his wife could die. Um, and then we don't have time to get a new one. We can't, he can't marry someone then and there because it's Asr Midrabanan to get married on Yom Kippur or Shabbos. So if she dies on Yom Kippur, let's say, that night, so we'll have no one, he won't be able to function, do the Avoda because of the Pasuk, which requires him to get atonement for him and his wife. So we need a second wife also, just in case the first one dies. Amrulo, so the Chacham say back to Yehuda, in Cain, if we take that approach, Ein Ladavar Sof, then... There's no end to the precautions because maybe that second wife will also die. Maybe he needs to have three wives. And that goes ad infinitum. You could have a thousand wives and they could all die. He needs a thousand and one wives. So therefore, the Chum rejected Rehudashita. We do not require the Kohen Gadol to marry a second wife just in case. And that will be the Din. A rebuke, however, says you can't compare those two cases. He says, for someone to die, that while is unlikely to happen, these things happen. People die. And maybe the Kohen Gadol's wife will indeed die. So we need to have a plan B. As far as two separate women dying, that's already super unlikely, super far out, and therefore we don't need to be concerned for that for that possibility. So according to Rehuda, 
a second wife, meaning one backup is reasonable, more than that is unnecessary, but the halach is like the chachamim, which is no backup wives at all are required, just the kongadol being separated from his own home and wife for seven days.